Welcome to Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. Here's your host, Ben Wilson. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. I'm your host, Ben Wilson, and my bulldog, Rodney, is beside me as usual. Today, we're doing a special Mother's Day episode dedicated to all the moms out there, and I have two special guests with me. First is my mom, Sheila Hawkins, and second is my good friend, Jen Rogers, who's a classmate of mine in the Lead Brevard program here in Brevard County, Florida. So, Mom, first off, thanks for coming on the show. And thank you for the invitation. And, Jen, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Ben. So, first off, happy Mother's Day to both of you. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much. And I'll... Appreciate the beautiful flowers you sent. They arrived this morning and very pretty. Glad you got them and glad you like them. I, for those who are from Marshall County, uh, I always order my flowers from the basket case florist over in Calvert City. They're pretty reliable and do a good job. So if you need a florist in Marshall County, consider them. So, so what kind of flowers did they include in there? Because I just told them mix flowers and make it look nice. Oh, yeah. Well, there um, are some roses. There are some daisies, three or four other different types of flowers that I really don't know what kind they are, but they're all really pretty for sure. Make a real pretty presentation. And Jen, what are your plans for Mother's Day? I don't really know, to be honest with you. I'm not sure. Maybe nothing. Maybe nothing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know. I went over and had a porch visit with my mom today. To wish her happy Mother's Day from six feet apart and waved at my dad through the window. But yeah, I don't, as far as tomorrow goes, I'm, I'm in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully you get something. Hopefully, but you know. This quarantine makes it more difficult for everything. It does. It definitely does. Well, since it is Mother's Day, the purpose of this show is to kind of reflect on the role of being a mom out there and the some of the good memories and also how being a mom has changed through the years because it has definitely changed during my lifetime and and I know certainly during your lifetime mom from the way things were when mothers were like in the in the 50s like your your June Cleavers and your Ozzy and Harriet characters and things like that so um what are some of your favorite memories with mamma my grandmother growing up because for the, those who don't know my mamma, I mean, she was pretty much June Cleaver. She was a housewife who would take care of the kids and keep the house in order and everything clean and cooked, uh, you know, plenty of meals. And that's what she did for her grandchildren, too. What were the memories of mamma? Well, pretty much like you just mentioned, mother never worked outside of the home. And so her job was being a homemaker. And that's what she did very well. The house was always kept very nice. She always had meals. She provided the security that every child needs growing up, the respect. Now, a lot of the time, she and I, as I got a little older, didn't always agree on things, but there was still that love and respect there no matter what. The fact that myself and my brothers knew we were loved, cared for physically and emotionally, and here she is now, 89 years old, getting ready to turn 90 in August, and has some dementia that gradually is getting worse. She's at the convalescent center now. She and my dad both are in the convalescent center, and so far everything has gone very well there with the quarantine. Of course, it's made it difficult to visit, as Jen just mentioned, about having to talk and visit through the window and on the phone. 
but mother sometimes has trouble talking and understanding and hearing over the phone, but we sit there and smile and wave and she'll just grin and laugh. And so we still do some communicating, even though it might not be so much in words, but she knows I'm there and she does recognize me for that. I'm thankful. Her face always lights up when she sees me and I I know she knows who I am. And even through the window, she knows who I am and always able to say, I love you and so we do have some good communication, even though not the best of circumstances. Right. And of course, with Mama, you know, whenever I would go to their to Mama and Papa's house, usually there was a, a pan full of fresh brownies made and maybe chicken and rice or, or specialty meal going to be the dinner. Oh, yeah, that was the specialty. All right. So, Jen, what are some of, of your favorite memories with your mom? My mom, like your mom, is a school teacher. So we had dinner together every night as a family. But, you know, I I feel like my best memories with my mom, you know, besides just the regular school, you know, year, which was kind of busy because she was teaching and then running my brother, sister and I all over the place for sports and after school activities. And so, like I said, the, the school year was kind of a blur, but summers were always really relaxing and peaceful. And, you know, we were pretty fortunate, you know, we were, we lived in a house where we had a swimming pool. So, you know, we had a swimming pool and it was just, a really fun, relaxing time. I just remember my mom just always being really happy and, you know, no stress on her, which was nice because nobody had to go anywhere and we could all just be home. And then, you know, holidays with my mom, she always went to a lot of trouble for Easter, Thanksgiving and Christmas in particular. And I always felt excited about holidays because my mom went to so much trouble, even though she was busy teaching and, and doing everything else she was trying to do. She always made, I felt like a whole lot of effort for my sister and brother and I to have a really special holiday every year. You know, like I said, no matter which one it was, we just, she made a big deal. And those are my most cherished memories, I think, with her are just every holiday, just being excited. And I feel like she made that for us. Sounds like a little bit like Ellen Griswold from the Griswold and the (laughs) Christmas vacation. Not too far (laughs) off, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that Jen's upbringing was close to with you and Chris, Ben, because again, like Jen mentioned, I was a teacher for, well, 28 years or more. And it's nice to be able to have basically the same schedule as your children in school. So you do have the summers and the spring breaks and Christmas vacations and such that makes life a lot nicer and a lot more pleasant in some respects because there's not the worry about, oh, where did the children stay today and is the babysitter going to be able to come? It's just a much easier lifestyle when the parents are teachers in the same schedule pretty much as the children, like we said. Right. Mom, what are some of your favorite memories as a mom? Well, again, this is one of these things that a different episode or podcast would probably be needed to cover all the memories because even before the child is born and then especially the day of birth when you see that precious baby and you're just awestruck, sometimes you feel like you don't know what you're doing, but yet by the same token, you know you love that baby and want to provide the best possible And then from that point on, all of the steps of the first tooth, the first words, the first steps, then starting school and awards, whether it be sports or band or academic team or whatever 
interest the child has and you see them make accomplishments there and then of course graduations and as we said honestly you just about need a different podcast to cover all of the memories very special yeah i know some of uh, my favorite memories of course were in the summertime when we were able to go to st louis uh, and we'd be able to go to those cardinal baseball games and of course that was the team i followed and sitting in bush stadium and on that AstroTurf field at Bush Stadium, and it'd be like 100 degrees out there. But, you know, you're watching those teams of Ozzie Smith and Willie McGee and Jack Clark and Vince Coleman, and, you know, that'd be our vacation. And we'd go, like, to Six Flags or the St. Louis Sioux, and that was something we'd do a couple of times every year. Yeah. Jen, what are some of your favorite memories as a mom? Oh, gosh. Like your mom said, there's just so many of them between my son and my daughter from – you know, of course, the day that they were born and all of their first milestones going off to kindergarten, like your mom said, different award ceremonies or just different things that, you know, I've done with each one of them. You know, there's just, there's so many, but, you know, I try really hard to just really be present as much as possible, which is hard when you're working full time and life gets crazy and chaotic. But I try to live in the moment and and try to be, you know, appreciate how special whatever's happening or not happening, just life with my kids at the age they are every, you know, every year that they turn a different year, something is different about them. And to try to kind of experience when it's happening, because there's so much you just can't possibly remember it all as much as you would try. There's just going to be those certain things that are going to always stick out, but there's just so many memories that are put into a child's lifetime, you know? And so at least if you can appreciate it and and really be in it when they're going through it. I feel like that's what it's all about, I think. So I just, like I said, I don't think I could ever pinpoint not even one specific memory because there's just so many. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of my memories. I mean, of course, I mentioned going to the Cardinal games in the summer, but mom, you have to admit, I've had a lot of very interesting things happen since I've been around to me. I mean, of course, one thing that's always been important in, in our family has been dogs, of course, Rodney's a co-host on this show, but I remember, I guess, really, our longest dog growing up was Buster, the the Boston Terrier. Yeah, he was a sweet dog. Yeah, we had him many years. It was funny because the first day that I went to school, we had Buster. That bulldog went out to wait on the school bus, and he hopped on the school bus. He was ready to go to school, just like Chris and me. Yes, he was. Wherever we went, that's where that bulldog wanted to be. Yeah, it so happened I have a picture of you getting ready to get on the school bus that very day, right before Buster hopped right on. (laughs) That was a funny one. And then two that I don't think we'll ever forget, when I finally got my braces off and had a retainer, I was in high school, I guess it was 10th grade or something like that, and I lost, left the retainer. No, I think it was maybe my junior year left the retainer on the the lunch tray at at school, and as many kids have done, threw the way that retainer. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go home, and we'll just go to the dentist and get a new one. And then it was like $500 for that new retainer. And this was the old wire ones, Jen. You you might remember that. I had had a retainer also, and also threw it away. I don't even know how many times. (laughs) Yeah. Well, instead of me getting a, a new one, mom over here says, well, no, you got to go and we got to find that. We're not paying $500. So I had to go and go through the dumpster, through all these bags of trash. Finally, we found the dumpster or the trash bag that had it. Of course, with my luck, it was the last trash bag that had the retainer. 
And so we got it. Matter of fact, a friend of mine now, Jason Ward, if he's listening to this, I mean, that's how we met. He came in his pickup truck to throw a bunch of trash away in that dumpster. (laughs) He's like, what are you doing in the trash dumpster? I was like, I'm looking for a retainer. And he's like, that sucks, dude. And just threw the bag right over by me and left. Well, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, that was bad. (laughs) And I probably shouldn't have done. But by George, that was a lot of money. (laughs) So. We thought, surely we can find that retainer, but it was found, sure enough. And I don't think it got thrown away ever again either. Well, I don't think so. And then, of course, the other one is the the time that when I got my driver's license, Jen, I had to drive this car that we affectionately called the Hornet. It was a dark orange station wagon. We'd had it for quite a while. Um, my stepdad had had it. And so it was kind of passed down to the kids once we were old enough to start driving. And anyway, one day my senior year, I had a, an early morning class and it was Miss Shadow and mom. Miss Shadow and came in and she's like, I need to see you right away to see, to see me. And uh, she's, I was like, okay. So I went out and I thought I was getting ready to get an award. She's like, hurry up, hurry up. And then she's like, look. And I looked out and the car was on fire in the school parking lot. So, of course, you know, people, the fire department was called and nobody was hurt and no cars were damaged. But I was just worried that, you know, people's cars were going to be damaged. And then, of course, kids were driving into school, seeing it. So I was heckled for quite a while about that car. So that's imagine. Yeah, that was another memory that, again, like with the retainer, it never got thrown away again. And that Hornet car, you never had to drive it again. I didn't have to drive it again, though. That's true. I did I did not set that on fire like some people <laughs> alleged. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mom, how has the role of mother changed? How is it different today from when you grew up with, you know, Mama in the 50s to when you were a parent with me and Chris in the late 70s, 80s, and 90s to what you're seeing today through the eyes of a grandmother as well? Okay, that's a pretty big topic right there. But to be honest, there are a lot of differences and there are a lot of changes over the years, but a lot of the same feelings and emotions and the love holds true. Like we had mentioned earlier in the first question about the love that's there for the child, the security that's provided through the home. Those things don't change really, but Due to society's changes, there is where you get into differences in parenting, I guess we could say, over the years. Now, going back to when I was brought up, again, there were more strict rules and a little more, yes, ma'am, and you did what you were told to do because they were not likely going to ask you twice to do to do whatever you were asked to do. You were expected to do when you were told and what you were told to do. Whereas today I do see, and of course it's slipped and gotten gradually more lax over the time from when you and Chris were growing up. And then of course, now that I see with grandchildren, usually a lot of the time parents find themselves asking two or three times for a child to do a particular chore or job or bring whatever they're supposed to bring to the parent or what you have to ask repeatedly where back in when I was growing up that didn't much happen in a lot of the homes so you know and it's a society change as much as anything mm. so Jen what are, what are the differences that you're seeing from we're about the same age here so growing up in the 
in the 80s to now you're you're a mom in the 2000s well i think that like your mom said i mean there's there's differences in the way that kids are you know like your mom said there's no way i would have ever talked back to my mom and my dad i'm not saying i never had to have the last word probably in an argument but respect was taught i was always taught to respect my elders I don't think my family was much of a yes, ma'am, no, sir, yes, sir. But we, you know, I always was polite, please, thank you, and spoke politely to to everybody, not just adults, to everybody. But that was just instilled in my family. And I feel like, as your mom was saying, kids now, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've said to my son, "This is not a democracy; it's a dictatorship." Because yeah, that's right. <laughs> because I will, like your mother said, I, you know, I will say, "You need to brush your teeth." Well, why? Or there's something like that. And I think that kids just have this feeling like they're equals sometimes. And that's the other thing, you know, is that they they think that they're on the same level as their parents. And we've somehow, I mean, myself included, I'm sure, and, and you know, moms years before me, but probably have perpetuated this, you know, because there's probably things that, and I couldn't even give you a specific, but probably things that I wish my mom would have been cooler about or did differently. And I think that's, you know, that's just one part of it. But I think that there's a lot of that that goes on that we want to be the cool mom and the friend, but you can't. And when you, when you try to like meld those two things, I think the kids respect for their parents, it kind of goes out the window because you're trying to make them happy and please them. And I think that the overarching thing about being a parent is you have to be the parent first and foremost, even if that means they may not like you. And probably oftentimes they're not going to like you for the decisions that you make because you know best for them and that's why you're the parent. But it's hard because you want your kids to adore you and love you and think you're great. And especially, you know, when you're working and and life is busy and you don't get to spend as much time with them, when you are with them, the last thing you want is them to be, you know, slamming their doors and telling you how much they hate you. It's a constant battle between being the parent and trying to instill those things. But I would say that's the biggest thing is, and kids just feel like they're entitled. And I never felt entitled, you know, to anything. And to teach your kids, you have to really teach your kids gratitude and they need to see that through their parents. But I just think that all the TV programs and everything else, you know, the kids are sassy to their parents on TV. They see that, you know, and the other thing obviously is that when we were kids, I'm sure, you know, Ben, I used to go out in the summertime or whenever I could on the weekends and I'd be on my bike and be gone till dark, you know, until the sun was going down and there was never a worry. And we played outside. And, you know, I think that kids now spend too much time inside in front of screens. And I think they're all getting some level of depression because they don't get enough outside time, you know, real face-to-face interaction. And that's not to say all kids, but I think a lot of kids and parents are busy working and trying to do everything. So, you know, we're all guilty of letting the screen be the babysitter because it's the easier thing. You know, those are, I would say those are the biggest things is just that there's just a different relationship or dynamic between kids and parents than there was even when we were growing up. Yeah, true. Yeah, I can see from, you know, looking through my childhood and at my age, then with Ben and Chris bringing them up in that age period from the late 70s through the 80s and into the 90s. And then, of course, now with grandchildren, technology has made the biggest difference. And even before the days of the internet and such, when I can remember back in the, say, in the 80s, for instance, as a teacher in school, going back to that again, that certain movies would come out. And again, it would be the thing where the 
teenage children or even younger would have the disrespectful attitude toward the parents and such. And it seems like that we could see that reflected in the way they would behave at school as well. You know, it's just like that the parents or the teachers or the people of authority just didn't know what was going on. Right. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned TV because if you look at how television has evolved with the characterization of mothers, it's been pretty consistent with what you see in society. I mean, if you think about in the 50s, your typical mother character was June Cleaver. It was the housewife who stayed at home, cared for the kids, kept the house clean, had the the husband who worked. And so there was more time, I guess, with the mother devoting to that. And you really didn't see women uh, working on TV until, I guess, really Mary Tyler Moore, probably, right, Mom? Probably, yeah. They would probably be about the time that you saw the working woman. Of course, she wasn't a mother. She didn't have a family. But the concept of the woman working outside of the home. Because if you think about it, I mean, on Happy Days, you had um, Mrs. Cunningham was a stay-at-home mom. Even on the Flintstones, you had Wilma Flintstone and Betty Lovell, stay-at-home mom, Donna Reed. And I guess really the first working mom I can think of, I, I know I'm probably missing somebody here, because even in the 70s, you had Edith Bunker on um, All in the Family, who was a stay-at-home working mom. But really, I guess when you got to the Cosby show and you had Claire Huxtable being a working mom as a lawyer, along with Bill Cosby, Cliff Huxtable being the doctor, and then on Who's the Boss, you had Angela Bauer as an ad executive. Well, and Alice from the TV show The Waitress on the TV show with Flo. Because Jen, right now, I mean, when you and I were in school, uh, and I guess... Mom, you can talk about this too, but at least when we were in school, I know all my women classmates, I mean, they aspired to go to college and have a career just like, you know, the guys in the class. I mean, they would play a lot of the same sports, but I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure like almost all my women classmates, they aspired to, you know, be a teacher or a, a doctor or, you know, some lawyers, but it was some type of career in many college and, and trade school. Absolutely. Yes. I don't, I don't know anybody that you would have asked at least in my age group, you know, what they were going to do, you know, after high school. I mean, I couldn't think of anyone that I don't think I knew anyone that didn't say college. And then I, you know, think I might want to do this, you know, like you said, as a career. So absolutely. Yeah. And again, from my age grouping where most of the mothers did stay home and were homemakers, and my goodness, mother didn't even drive. So thank goodness we lived in town that had the city buses, and that's how we would go to downtown Paducah or even ride to school for the most part would be the bus because mother didn't even drive. But yeah, then going from there to with most of the mothers being homemakers and not a thing wrong with that, not to put anybody in a bad light, because if anything, that was a blessing to be able to do that. But that, again, we've mentioned about our society has changed so over the course of time that, yeah, by the time that I graduated from high school myself and was getting ready to go to college, well, then probably a half to three-fourths of the girls that graduated with me did go on to college and, uh, you know, with the hopes of going into a career. But then by the time Ben and Chris, the ones born in the 70s, came along, well, it was just a given that everyone was pretty much expected by society to go to college and to have a career. Very few would be homemakers in your all's age group 
than what would have been even in my age group, let alone back to my mother's age group. Right. That's true. Hey, Jen, to that issue, though, you know, with so many working moms like like yourself, talk about how um, it was like having to deal with that, but also the COVID quarantine because you were trying to work from home remotely, but then you've got children that are home and having to do schools and stuff. And I know it it was a challenge for a lot of people. So give your perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, you know, was one of those things where, and it's, you know, my company, we didn't stop working. The option was given to employees that, you know, actually have the ability to do their job from home, that you could use that as an option. But there's a lot of people that work for us that don't. So I was able to work from home. But yeah, when you have school age kids, and you're expected to be, you know, on your computer and working and and being productive, you know, to carry your weight, And then you have kids coming in interrupting or needing something and you're trying to help them with their schoolwork. It's a lot. I mean, I'm fortunate I have a 16-year-old and an 11-year-old. I don't have really little kids. So, you know, they're self-sufficient in a lot of ways, which is great. And I can also explain to them, I have a conference call. I need you to stay in your rooms or I need you to be quiet or, you know, and they they get that. You know, they're not going to be tired or cranky and, you know, like a small child would. That is... I, almost nearly impossible, I'm sure, to try to juggle that and work full time from home. So, you know, I definitely had some challenges, but nowhere near like I'm sure many others with multiple children that are younger trying to do all of those things. It's it's difficult for sure. You have to get creative. Yeah, that's true because Ben's brother, Chris, and his wife, Jenny, Ben's little nephews are five and two and a half. And so Chris and Jenny were able to work from home, thank goodness, like you were able to do. But they really did have to come up with some creativity to get through with the children. Like one would have to work for a while and the other one pretty much watch the children and take turns because there was always a need, especially with the younger one, that they didn't understand what was going on. But, yeah, a lot of families have certainly been at a disadvantage through this. You know, and one thing too, talking about how parenting is different and stuff too, you know, mom, when we were growing up, especially in Reedland, like Jen said earlier, it was not uncommon for kids to be out and I'd go and play with neighbors and we'd be playing basketball or sports or something. And it was from sundown to sun sunset or whatever. And then you come in and you eat, eat dinner and go do your homework. Or, you know, if it was something, let's say you had to stay after school for something, I'd go over to our next door neighbors, you know, either the Burnett's or, you know, Martin and Dorothy, somebody like that, or Herb and Madeline stay there. But now a lot of people don't really know their neighbors that well. And it's, it, so that's even more added pressure on parents who are trying to juggle the busy schedule for kids, or if they don't have grandparents in the same community, like what we did, that, that can make it even a bigger challenge for parents. Yeah. A lot of challenges for sure, because you think about when, I was growing up when you were growing up, your own age group, people went trick-or-treating, you know, and would go several blocks. And maybe the parents would be there, especially by the time a child got up nine or 10 years old, the parents might not even be along with them. But you don't do that nowadays, for sure. Oh, absolutely not. Right. (laughs) I was running all over all (laughs) kinds of neighborhoods at trick-or-treating when I was probably 10, by myself with my friends. Right. Right. But now, of course, again, society has changed that you might even be reported by someone who says this 10 year old child is two blocks from their house and then there is no adult with them and called Child Protective Services. 
you know, and gosh, big changes. So switching on to TV, you know, we've talked about it a little bit, but uh, of course, TV has had and movies have had some very interesting mothers. So, so mom, who are some of your favorite TV or movie mothers? And then I'll go to Jen. Oh, goodness. Well, of course, over the course of time, you've already mentioned June Cleaver and the ones like that. The one thing I will have to say that mostly was, you know, a pretty true picture of the time. But most of the ladies did not really wear the high heels and pearls (laughs) and dress according to the way TV portrayed those ladies. You know, they might wear jeans or back in the day they called them pedal pushers, but now we call them capris and T-shirts and sweatshirts. And they a lot of the mothers that I knew of didn't quite wear the pearls every day. (laughs) It would be seen at that point in time. but. Yeah, I guess that back in the 50s and 60s, any of the TV shows that the mom was pretty much the homemaker, stay home, you know, was always there for the children, always had the meals. That, I guess, would probably be the ones I would have to say would be my favorites in the course of all these years. Well, I'd say, I mean, we talked about Mamaw reminding me of June Cleaver, but Edith Bunker was a funny one, too. Definitely, yeah. Earlier in the conversation, Edith's name got mentioned, and yeah, that was a different sort, but you know, whether it be June Cleaver, Donna Reed, or Edith Bunker, or even Roseanne, the mothers still that basic, like we mentioned earlier in the discussion about the love for their children and want the best for their families. That is an underlying feeling and drive that most mothers have. And you'd like to think all would, but of course, Jen's mom would be able to identify with what I'm going to say next. But as a teacher and with Jen's mom being a teacher, it's so sad when you've got children in class that you know they don't have that home life with the mother who's there and provides the meals and provides the security of a good home. You know, it's always a, a sad thing. Yes. So Jen, who are some of your favorite TV and movie mothers? Well, of course we cannot ever forget Ellen Griswold. She's my absolute favorite, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I would say my second favorite would probably be, uh, yeah, I think my, my second favorite would be uh, Elise Keaton. So my favorite show growing up was family ties. I loved Michael J. Fox as Alex P. Keaton. He was like, I just thought he was the funniest, like, wittiest character ever. And so I love that show. I actually even cried when it went off the air, but the mom, Elise Keaton, I always, I always really thought she was a cool mom because she was, she worked and, you know, she was really all about having, you know, good conversations with her kids and treating them, you know, as a friend and and a mom, but she was really practical and professional. And and she just seemed like a, you know, a really well-rounded person, I think. And I just always thought she, she would be a cool mom, you know, to have. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever have seen the show, The Goldbergs, but we watch that a lot in our household and mm-hmm. Beverly Goldberg. I think she's hilarious. <laughs> and like I love how much she loves her kids that it's like to the point of absolute absurdity, the stuff that she does, but I just think that's pretty cool. So I, I like her a lot. And then Tammy Taylor from Friday Night Lights and Lorelai Gilmore from the Gilmore Girls, of course. I think those yeah, are, those my, are all those good are my examples. 
And Carol Brady. Don't forget Carol Brady, too. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Well, thank goodness, Jen, you remember to bring up Carol Brady. This conversation could not have come to an end without Carol Brady's name coming from the Brady Bunch. We would really be in bad shape if we forgot her. I'm glad you mentioned her because after this was over and I would have thought about it, that, oh, no, how we we miss Carol Brady? I don't know. Right. Oh, well, and of course. Uh, yeah, with so many people, and myself included, the show This Is Us with Rebecca Pearson. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Uh. Good one, too. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Well, and of course, from some of the, well, some of the back shows, I guess. I mean, we mentioned Mrs. Cunningham, played by Marion Ross, which Marion Ross is, is still alive. She's in her 90s, or getting ready to turn 90, I think. She was hilarious on Happy Days. Of course, Louise Wheezy Jefferson and um, Florida Evans on the oh, Good Times. Oh, yes. Yep. We're important mothers. Uh, of course, on the Jeffersons, though, I always like uh, George Jefferson's mother because she would always give Louise a lot of problems, but she was Mrs. Jefferson was pretty funny. Yeah, that's true. That different age group, the different generation. And some mothers that we cannot forget on Seinfeld. Mrs. Costanza, and of course, Mrs. Seinfeld, <laughs> the Costanza. Yeah, some of my favorite of the Seinfeld shows would be ones where Mrs. Costanza would be on the show. Oh, I can think of several different ones that would have been overall my favorite Seinfeld shows, as a matter of fact, because of Mrs. Costanza. You also can't forget the Golden Girls, Sophia. Yep, oh, Sophia. Sophia from the Golden Girls. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Again, one of these people, one in a million. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I know Sophia. I mean, she was this, you know, 80-plus-year-old Sicilian-Italian woman, the sharp-tongued Italian woman that she said what she thought, and if you didn't didn't like it, well, it was kind of too bad. Now, I don't know if these women would make the best mom list, but uh, certainly iconic in the world of TV and movies. Peg Bundy from Married with Children, not the best example for a mother, but... Nonetheless, that was a, an interesting family, to say the least, the Bundys. And, uh, of course, on Modern Family, you've got Sofia Vergara's character as the mom um, and uh, Julie Bowen's character of Carol Dunphy. Yep. So, yeah, those uh, are some pretty good examples of more modern, I suppose you could say. And, of course, Sofia Vergara's character it was Gloria Pritchett. Last but certainly not least, one of my favorite mothers on TV was Kitty Foreman. From that 70s show. Oh, Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That's another good one. So, Like we said, though, all these mothers still, they had the best in their heart for their children. They wanted the success (laughs) and the love for their children. So that's one theme that across the generations we can see. I don't know if Peg Bundy necessarily did. Oh, she (laughs) did. She did. (laughs) She did. It might be hard to find sometimes, but but it was there. (laughs) Yeah. Next question. What are your tips for the women listeners out there on how to be a good mom or a grandmother? So, Jen, I'll start with you. Well, I think the biggest thing to be a good mother, aside from providing your children shelter and clothing and food, I think the biggest thing is to just give them your time and your attention. I think that that matters more to kids than any materialistic thing you could ever get for them is just your time and showing them that they're important to you. So I think that's, that's a big one. And I think, you know, again, with, with everything that goes on in the world today, with all the technology and all of us being glued to our phones, it's hard. I mean, my kids, 
really call me out on that pretty often. And it, it's, it, you know, I shame myself like what they shouldn't have to say this to me, you know, but my daughter will be talking and talking and talking. And at some point, you know, I, I decide, I don't know why I start checking my emails or something and I get wrapped up in listening to that. And, you know, she'll keep saying something and I'll say, uh-huh. And she said, what did I just say? <laughs> and of yeah. course I cannot, and I cannot repeat back what she said, cause I have no idea because I was not listening. So they've got my number. So they, you know, they call me out on that kind of stuff. My son does that too. So I think that's a big thing. I think the other thing is that, and I struggle with this is being good to yourself and taking time for yourself. In fact, I'm pretty horrible about it. I have a, a kind of a, a story about this. My sister, who is about nine years younger than me, always said she wasn't going to have kids. She has two little girls now, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and she's got her hands full. <laughs> but she and her husband do a lot. Um, they get a lot of babysitters. They go out a lot. You know, They're great parents, but they take a lot of time for themselves. And then they each have their own hobbies and separate things that they like to do. And, you know, for a while, I, I always thought it was kind of selfish because I always have worked. And so whenever I wasn't working, I felt really guilty leaving my kids and not being with them. I felt like I have no other place I need to be besides with my children. But what I've learned from my younger sister is that taking time for yourself and taking time to be with your spouse and do other things is super important. And it makes you a better parent because you're happier when you're stressed out and you're frazzled and you don't have any anything left to give it shows and your kids see that. So I think that she's kind of taught me that and I'm, I'm working on it, but you know, it's not selfish. I mean, my sister and my brother-in-law are fabulous parents, but I think that they do a really good job of balancing being an individual person, being a married couple and being parents. And I really commend them for that. And I have a lot of respect for it because I think that their kids are, you know, happy little girls, and they're pretty much always emotionally stable, I would say, where you see a lot of kids have, you know, breakdowns if they're tired because their parents drag them all around and, you know, they don't really have a schedule. But my sister's been really good about that. So I think that, you know, like I said, just being good to yourself, taking time for yourself so that you can be a better mother is great. I think that the last big thing is, and I've seen it with my kids in various sports, is is not to live vicariously through your kids. Like your kids are not your do-over, you know? And I see so many parents pushing their kids in athletic activities and, and through their schoolwork and everything, pushing them to be something that maybe they don't want to be or they don't want to do. And it's their parents' agenda. This is what I want for you. And, you know, aside from a child going down a path where they're going to hurt themselves or do something that's going to cause them harm, as a parent, you need to let kids be who they are. And cherish them for that instead of trying to force them into this box that you think they should be in. You know, they should be an athlete. You know, they should have straight A's. They should, you know, want to do ballet or whatever it is or play piano. I think it's good to introduce kids to things to give them insight as to, you know, what things they might like and might be interested in. But I think as they get older and they start to understand that about themselves, you need to support that and let them do what makes them happy and, and not because you think it should be something else, because in the long run, they're going to be miserable and resent you for it. And I think that, you know, kids are smart. They know, you know, again, I don't mean to not let them try new things and, you know, maybe encourage them to do things that they may be a little apprehensive about doing, you know, like, I don't want to play piano, but try it out and see if you like it. But after a certain point, you kind of have to just let them just be the little creatures and people they're going to be as they grow. So I think that's, those are the biggest things, I think, to being a good mom. 
Yeah, very well said. Very well said. Really good points. Because again, I agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said about so many parents do want to live through their children and have the whole road paved ahead for what they think that child ought to do or become or be interested in. And that's a terrible disservice to a child to have that sort of pressure put on them to where that they, uh, well, one thing that I think as well, too, is parents need to not provide every solution to every problem for the child. A child needs to learn how to accept defeat or failure. That builds character. And one of the best things any parent can do is let a child have those feelings, not feel like that they can well, as they're, they're grown, they can't depend on themselves. They need to be brought up to be self-reliant. I think it's a terrible disservice, you know, when parents don't really, even though they probably don't realize that that's what they're doing, but to have their child grow up with no feelings of, of being self-reliant or be able to take care of themselves or achieve what they want to do, that they've got to have someone take care of everything for them. Terrible disservice to a child. 100% agree. So, all right. So, well, there you have it. Some advice from two moms about how to be a better mother and how to improve and also just kind of reflecting on, you know, the good times that that come with being a mother. So I want to thank you both for coming on the show and talking about that. Now I want to transition, though, to our traditional living the dream questions. This is where I ask you questions about pop culture which, as you know, starts with the first question of what is your favorite Seinfeld episode? Mom, what's your favorite Seinfeld episode? Oh, well, like we said, any of the shows that Mrs. Costanza was in, and of course, Kramer. Who would have ever dreamed of a Seinfeld show without Kramer? So, of course, everything from the horse episode that is still funny to this day. It's a little bit off color, I guess, but still it's it's hilarious. And just, well, just about everything Kramer got involved in. And where would the show be without George? And the, again, that brings in Mrs. Costanza. It's hard to pick one really favorite show overall. So many of them were so funny that it, it's just a hard decision. So, Jen, what's your favorite Seinfeld episode? Uh, this one was a little hard for me, but I think that I, I think I had to go with the Soup Nazi being my first favorite one. I think that one, because that's something I always joke around about, because the soup is like one of my favorite things in the world to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and I just love saying, no soup for you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I would say I was going to go with, I think it's called the Hamptons. That was another oh, one yes. that I think was pretty funny. And then, um, of course, the contest, that's uh, like so many people's favorite. But I, I definitely think the soup Nazi is my favorite. Yeah, that's a good one. And to this day, <laughs> whether it be a soup Nazi or a whatever the su- the subject might be, that term still stands today with the yes. reference to something that the, whether you're a soup Nazi or a right. soup Nazi or a tack it on to, tack it on to everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we even had a reference to Seinfeld this week. That episode, actually the Hamptons episode, Jen, because that was the one where, um, of course, George goes up and Jerry's girlfriend walks in on him. He's changing clothes and then she laughs at him and apparently you know, made fun of him and stuff like that. Well, we had an incident where we were selling this land and we had to put dirt 
fill dirt on this site. Well, apparently we didn't have an, we thought we'd put the 25,000 cubic yards of fill dirt, but that dirt had been on the, the site for, I mean, several weeks. And so basically it compacted. And so it went down to like 22,000 cubic yards. But the term that the engineer used was we've experienced shrinkage. Oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. And he's a Seinfeld fan too. He has a big calendar of Seinfeld quotes on his desk. So I thought that was pretty funny. Oh crazy. my gosh. So Seinfeld comes up in almost every scenario. And that Kramer episode with Rusty the, the horse, that was a funny one. I can relate to that one with Rodney from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I skip Rodney for you. I understand. I know. So, all right. Next question, Mom. Um, what's your favorite John Belushi movie? Oh, it would have to be The Blues Brothers. Would have to be The Blues Brothers, yeah. So why would you pick that one over an a- over Animal House? Well, that might be a good question. It's just the fact that the overall theme, I suppose, was just... And, well, one thing, too, about with The Blues Brothers, all of the really cool music that was in there and the character, when you have... Ray Charles and some uh, Aretha Franklin and different ones that, of course, they're a music I loved anyway. So that just maybe made that a little more special to me of the Blues Brothers with the people that were the, some of the minor characters. Yeah. Jen, what was your favorite John Belushi movie? Well, you're probably going to shame me right off the podcast for saying this, but I don't think I've seen any John Belushi movies. <laughs> well, you haven't seen Animal House? I haven't seen Animal House and I've never seen Blues Brothers. In fact, I was talking about the questions on here and I said that and it was like, you've never seen the Blues Brothers? I don't think that I have. No. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you got to add that to your list. Then. Those are like icons. Two of them I have to watch, I guess. Hey, Mom, one question I want to ask going back to John Belushi though, because I mean, you were... You were around when Saturday Night Live began in 1975, and you know you were in the age demographic they were targeting. Talk about how I guess important Saturday Night Live was to the cultural scene at that time when it aired in 1975. Pretty reflective, I guess. Of course, everything was with the comedic twist, but yeah, they all well, and I guess they still do to this day, though I don't really watch it anymore to speak of. But take current issues of the time and turn it into the comedy. So, yeah, it was, I would say, fairly relevant to what was going on. Yeah, but I guess as far as making, you know, comedians just stars, because, of course, you had Chevy Chase, who became the first breakout star, and then you had John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray. But, I mean, Saturday Night Live has been such an institution for generating some of the greatest comedians of of our time. So, well, speaking of great comedians of our time and the namesake for my bulldog, Jen, what's your favorite Rodney Dangerfield movie? Caddyshack, of course. <laughs> I, and only because I think my dad and my brother probably watched that movie a hundred times. And somehow I was always around when they were watching it. So I, it's definitely that one. What would you say, Mom? Well, Caddyshack is number one on the list. Of course, the Back to School. Now, that was a funny one, too. That was good. That was a good one. Had a good... You know, some good parenting, I guess you could say, skills in there, though they were a little bit on the odd side and some, but no, uh, overall Caddyshack would be my number one choice and then the back to school. Yeah, of course, Caddyshack was Rodney Dangerfield's first movie and that was filmed down here in Florida in, in Fort Lauderdale. Oh my goodness. Yep. 
I'm pretty excited, though. I, I am actually working on a presentation with a, at a Florida Bar seminar where I get to do an ethics seminar based on the movie Caddyshack because I'm speaking to a bunch of real estate lawyers. So we're talking about legal issues that come up and how to address them, and we're addressing scenes in Caddyshack. Nice. Oh, that's going to be good. Yeah. Well, of course, I mean, it's funny, though, because Caddyshack kind of relates to what I do. I mean, we were, we're a real estate developer, so that's what Rodney Dangerfield was in the movie. We have a golf course that we run, so we have to deal with issues of gophers and all that stuff. We had an assistant greenskeeper named Carl when I started, which that was a Bill Murray character. So I can always relate to Caddyshack. But speaking of Bill Murray, Mom, what's your favorite Bill Murray movie? Is it Caddyshack? Oh, well, Stripes. I'd have to say with Bill Murray, Stripes. And that's the one, of course, where he goes to the army with Harold oh, Ramis. Yes. Yeah, yeah. A lot of funny things happen. So, what was your favorite part of Stripes? Oh my! Well, of course, the uh, the reaction two or three times in the movie with the, the sergeant, Sergeant Parker. So, yeah, yeah. He was up on a big stand of well, like a. It's just a. Yeah, look of some, but anyway, it blew up and. Of course, in real life, should that happen, it would not have been too funny. But we've got to realize we're talking about comedy movies and shows. So, yeah, that was a funny part. And I always think about when Bill Murray and the other guys were getting off that bus and Sergeant Hulk looks at him and says, this is a fine bunch of men. And then rolled his eyes that he knew what he was getting into, that they weren't maybe the cream of the crop. Of course, you had John Candy in that movie, too. And I remember he got off the bus and he went up i think he had a beer in his hand and a cigarette in his mouth and he went up to the women in peace he said hey stewardess what movie's on the flight that was kind of a breakout movie for john candy though because he played ox yeah that's right and of course the mud wrestling scene we've got to remember that <laughs> so well jen what's your favorite bill murray movie I guess Groundhog Day, but what about Bob is another one of my favorites. I don't know if a lot of people have seen that one, but it cracked me up. I thought it was hilarious. So I got, I've got i got two of them there. But if I had to pick one, I would say Groundhog Day. Yeah, I, I love Groundhog Day. I, I like what about Bob, too, but Groundhog Day, that was a classic. Yeah. All right, so, Mom, what are some of your favorite TV shows and movies other than the ones we previously mentioned? Oh, my goodness. We've mentioned so many already that I don't <laughs> Well, now, one thing as far as TV shows and and movies, but I guess mainly TV shows, I like law enforcement and legal. Of course, I used to love back in the 80s to watch L.A. Law and then Boston Legal was another one that I love to watch. Now I enjoy watching, as bizarre though this might sound, Chicago Fire and Chicago PD and even SEAL team, we watch that. So just a lot of legal and law enforcement, really. Yeah. So Jen, what are what would be some of your favorite TV shows and movies other than the ones we've previously mentioned? Well, I do have a guilty pleasure um, that my husband and I watch. It's called Below Deck on Bravo. <laughs> and it's it's basically a reality show, but it's all these people that work on these super yachts and the dynamics of the crew the interior and the deck crew and the captain. And so, I mean, it, it's definitely, you know, one of those shows where you're losing brain cells as you're watching it, <laughs> but it's, it's actually, the good thing about it is it's actually really happening. You know, these are, so I don't know how much they try to egg each other on to get the drama factor in there, but 
the overall just watching what they do and interacting with the guests on these charters, it, it's pretty cool. That's one. And then I love Ozark on Netflix, Homeland. And then I'm really a serious true crime junkie. I mean, my children actually made me a Mother's Day card probably five or six years ago. And it was the series of pictures, this big, long fold out card. And they had drawn all these pictures of different things I would, I liked, or I was doing. And one of them was me. I'm not kidding you with a knife in my hand, standing over someone with blood. And they said, mommy loves murder. Oh, (laughs) This is a serious (laughs) problem. This is a very big problem. So, but I do like anything, any kind of documentary, And honestly, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are into that right now. It's very trendy at the moment, but I've always watched Datelines, 2020s, all of those things. But I think for me, it's really just the understanding of the psychological of what happens to people. There's a lot of crazy, crazy people, but I guess, you know, just people that seem like for most of their life, they've been normal and then they snap and do this crazy thing or they're living a completely separate life. And one half of their life, they're this normal human being that everybody thinks is wonderful. And on the side, they're a killer. You know, that's just the the psychology of that always just really intrigues me, you know, and then obviously just them trying to find these people. And then lately, I've been really into watching, you know, stories about people that have been, you know, wrongly convicted. And there's a lot and it's pretty interesting. I feel like if I had a a do-over career, if I could somehow get into that, that is absolutely what I would want to do, is just go work on those kind of cases. So that's the kind of TV. And as far as movies go, um, Into the Wild's one of my favorites, Shawshank Redemption, Old School. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, Uh, that is. That's that's a good one. (laughs) Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's one of my all-time favorites. Of course, all the National Lampoon's Vacation, except for Vegas. I didn't really care for that one too much, but the other ones are all pretty good. Yeah, no, I'd say that'd be accurate on the, the vacation. When I, I don't know. I think it's one of these things when you've got a classic movie, maybe you can do one retake and it'll be good. I mean, I think Lampoon, when they got Christmas Vacation to be such a huge hit, that was that was amazing because a lot of times you go to a third version of a movie, it's not near as good. But I'd agree with Vegas Vacation on not being one of the They should have mixed that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you see the remake, Jen, of the vacation movie where they had uh, Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo as the grandparents? What was your take on that? Christina Applegate, right? Wasn't it Christina Applegate? Yeah, Christina Applegate and Ed Helms. Um, It was pretty funny. I mean, but nothing replaces the classic. I mean, it just can't. I mean, there's just something about – I feel like that might have been one of the first movies – that I watched. And I remember I, I enjoyed it so much because my dad and my grandmother, my grandmother, my mom's mom, who I've always been super close with, we all watched it. And my grandmother's name is Edna. So when Aunt Edna was put on the roof, <laughs> it oh, was no. pretty funny. <laughs> so yeah. we, all, we all like used to joke about that all the time, you know? So my grandma would say, don't make me like Aunt Edna. Don't stick me on the roof of the car. Yeah. And it is pretty good. So yeah, but that one's a classic. You can't top it. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. Hey, Mom, so uh, for a lot of our listeners, they're from the the Western Kentucky area. And of course, I got a lot of listeners in Florida who don't know anything about Western Kentucky. So talk about some of the favorite things to do in Western Kentucky, which that's the Paducah, Marshall County area. Yeah, well, of course, here we've got land between the lakes, between the Cumberland and Tennessee rivers. We have got Kentucky Lake, Barkley Lake, of which Land Between the Lakes is in between that as well, because that all is from the Cumberland. The lakes were made from the Cumberland and the Tennessee rivers, obviously. So a lot of water sports, a lot of 
beautiful scenery. As a matter of fact, we've, during the quarantine, gone out even more than usual sightseeing and different places along the lake that maybe we've not been to in years or maybe never been to. In Marshall County uh, and in Livingston County, where I taught, we have all sorts of nature to look at and enjoy. And of course, in Paducah, the Carson Center has been a big asset to the whole community with the programs, the plays, the concerts, the productions that they've been able to provide for the ones of us in Western Kentucky. So at least it cuts down some drives to Nashville or St. Louis to see some similar productions or concerts or musicals. So that's been a big plus. Uh, A lot of parks in our area, good places to eat, of course, good barbecue. Yeah, Have they um, rebuilt patties yet? They have, and they had just opened up, and then the quarantine hit. So they're doing curbside pickup, but yeah, patties is a draw. Of course, it's a, a restaurant with a very... Well, their menu is just out of this world. Their decorations, their decor, their atmosphere, everything. just a, It's one of the places that people come from many, many miles around because just the ambiance of the whole area. And it has certainly made Grand Rivers a come-to place. And, of course, the Badger Playhouse there. And This quarantine, of course, has really put a hiatus on as and all over the nation and all over the world, I guess. But things are coming back, and the Playhouse, the Carson Center, the restaurants, patties especially, everything's going to be coming back. Well, of course, one of the, the iconic restaurants in Paducah is Bob's Drive-In on the south side of Paducah. Oh, yes. They've been there for, gosh, 60 years or more, I guess, a long time. Yeah. So, Jen, uh, basically where I grew up in like Marshall County and Western Kentucky, Paducah, it's it's very, very similar to Brevard County. I mean, you know, my mom was mentioning all the lakes and stuff and, of course, the nature areas. And we have – that's a big thing here in, in Brevard County. So what are your, some of your favorite things to do in Brevard County, Florida? We do a lot of bike riding. My husband and I do. We have these pretty cool bikes that we take out on the beach. So we go there and then over, if you go over the bridge from Merritt Island to the mainland, Cocoa Village area, there's a main road that runs along the river. I mean, it's called River Road, Rockledge Drive. It's about 14 miles, I think, the entire length. So we go, we go riding our bikes on there too sometimes. And it's just, it's really pretty. Sometimes you'll see, you know, the other weekend we went, we saw manatees on the side, just in the river playing along. So that's, it's pretty neat. And you'll see dolphins and things like that. And it's just really, really a nice area. And then, you know, as I mentioned, Cocoa Village, that's a a nice little place to wander around. There's a lot of little shops and restaurants. And when we were growing up, it seemed like it was okay. I remember going there with my mom, but I feel like, you know, as I've gotten older and it's it's grown and evolved. I mean, it, they're still working on it and it still has a, lot, a long way to go for being like the absolute perfect place to go for everything. But it's a pretty neat place to go for a lot of different age groups. And it's right on the river. So that's nice. And it's just, you know, big oak trees. It's really, really pretty. And Florida in general, outside of Brevard, I mean, if you like wakeboarding or paddleboarding or anything on the water, there's so many different things. Kayaking you can do in the rivers or in the ocean. So I mean, I, we like to do some of those things. We don't do them as often as we'd like, but those are some good things to do too. And of course, if you have a boat here, it's great. It's a great place to live if you have a boat. So anything near the water, I really enjoy, honestly. Yep. All right. So 
Now, we talked about Brevard County, talked about Western Kentucky, you know, things to do there. Mom, where are your favorite vacation destinations and, and why? Well, of course, whether it be Gulf Shores or all the way down to Miami, does not matter. If we're on the, whether it be the Gulf or the ocean, that would be number one, especially for Steve. And as far as myself, my number one might be the Smoky Mountains. Love the Gatlinburg area and not so much being most of the time in the towns, but in the National Park. We absolutely love going to Cades Cove and all the other sites that in the Great Smoky Mountains. So it's a real close number one and number two on the list of whether it would be Smoky Mountains National Park in the Gatlinburg area or anywhere along the Gulf or the ocean. We like that water. <laughs> so Jen, what are your favorite vacation destinations outside of Brevard? Well, I loved uh, when I got the opportunity to go to Paris, Barcelona, Spain. Those are two of probably my I, my favorite places, I think, overseas that I've been so far. I still have a lot of places to go, but those were pretty awesome. But I'd say the most beautiful place that I've ever been so far was the Canadian Rockies. It's just absolutely breathtaking um, mountains with, you know, snow-capped mountains with this glacier water that's like a blue that just doesn't even look real. It's so blue and, you know, all the beautiful trees and forestry there. I mean, it's just, it's like heaven on earth. I mean, honestly, I've just never seen a place more beautiful so far. And I'm sure there are places maybe, but I've never seen them. So that's probably my absolute favorite. And I also like the California coast area. I find that to be pretty stunning area and, you know, just a really cool part of nature. So I'd say those are probably my favorite places that I've ever been. Yep. No, it sounds pretty nice. I've actually only been out of the country one time. I went for a, I had to go to Nicaragua for a, a church trip and we did a baseball camp there. And other than that, I haven't been out of the country, not even to Canada. Wow. Oh, Canada's amazing. Canada's, we get made fun of because we go there so often. Everyone's like, are you guys trying to become dual citizens or something? <laughs> but it's just, there's a lot of really neat, you know, natural areas. They have, you know, really cool cities there as well. Montreal is really cool. Vancouver is a really neat city. So, you know, kind of like what your mom is saying, the cities are nice to, to go in and see, but really the nature of these places is really where you get the big wow factor. And it's just, you know, absolutely breathtaking. That's true. That's true. When you mentioned the dolphins, oh my goodness. And one of our biggest excitements when we go to Florida or South Alabama is if we get to see dolphins. And of course, when we're in the Smoky Mountains, it's if we get to see bears. So. Yes. And Kate's <laughs> Cove that you mentioned that, I, I that should have been on my list too, because I remember when I went there and there was just this whole field of I don't know if they were buttercups. They were these little yellow flowers, but the whole field was just full of them and the green mountain and the sky was kind of like it might start raining. So it was a little purpley. And I, I was just like, I've never seen anything like this. It's just like, it's not, it's like a painting or something, you know? I mean, it was just amazing. All right. So then all those, those are some good answers there. All right. One more question. And then of course we'll, we'll close with how you are living the dream. All right. Next question. Mom, who are your favorite musicians, rock bands, or any kind of band, past and present? Oh, goodness. Of course, I go back to the Elvis Presley days, though I was really, really young at that point in time. But yeah, it's hard to beat a lot of the Elvis hits. And then, of course, went on to the Beatles. And of course, when I was from about 
old middle school on through high school. Oh, goodness, that was probably my favorite. But I have so many favorites. It's like a lot of these other questions. It's almost hard nowadays to even come up with my favorites because my favorites change so often. For a while, it might be one particular performer or musician or group. And then a few months later, it might be someone else. But they always stick in my mind as favorites. But my list of favorites just keep growing, I guess. The older I get, the more the list grows. Well, I know that Marvin Gaye and the Four Tops were on that list for a while. Oh, yes, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Yep, because I can remember listening at home a lot. Well, when you and Chris were little, even we listened to a lot of that soul and R&B music. Yeah, like I said, my list, the older I get, the more my list grows. I've got my favorites from each, I guess you could say, point in time. Well, even like in the 80s, it's like Hall of Notes. Yeah, yeah. That's on my list, actually. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jen, so who are your favorite musicians, past and present? Well, I have, you know, I have a ton. And I think what your mom said, too, is so true is that, you know, you always like there's always these those certain songs that you hear them and it reminds you of a specific memory or time in your life. You're like they're just connected, that song and that memory. And I think that's what's super cool about music. So I love 70s music because my parents had a stereo with a record player when I was growing up. And, you know, in the evenings, a lot of times my parents would listen to, you know, records. They didn't watch TV as much, you know, after the news and dinner. While they're cleaning up, my mom's getting ready for, you know, the next day or whatever. They listen to a lot of 70s music. So I have a huge, huge love of any kind of 70s, you know, more like the Eagles and Fleetwood Mac and the Bee Gees and anything 70s like that. Any kind of what they call now, I think a lot of it's like Yacht Rock. (laughs) Um, I I love that kind of music. Hall & Oates is on my list. Chicago, Phil Collins. Pearl Jam, if I'm going into like the 90s, I liked a lot of that Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, you know, all those bands that were coming out of Seattle. I liked that for a, a period of time. But that, you know, I those directly correlate to when I was wearing flannel shirts in the 90s, you know. So I just remember certain things. And music now, I mean, I don't feel like there's any musician maybe other than possibly like Adele that I feel like I'm going to look back on in 20 years and still want to hear that music. I feel like the stuff that's on now, I like it. You know, it catches my attention. It's I can enjoy it, but I don't think that 20 years from now, I'm going to care if I hear that song again. Whereas like these other ones I mentioned, you know, the classics and older music, those will stick with me forever. I think Jen's right. When you look back to the 60s and 70s, that era has got to be the overall, well, and even so many of the movies and TV shows, when you'll hear music in the background or whatever, a lot of the time it'll be 60s and 70s music. Yeah, and I feel like there's movies, too, that you know, like, you know the soundtrack of that movie, like, they go together, and you just know that they, if somebody says one, you would know the other, where nowadays, I'm not sure there's too many movies or films that have a song like that that you're going to just remember. And I think it's because they pump out so much music now, it's like it just and, and you know, and you you're, it's at your disposal. You know, Ben, I'm sure you were like me recording when you wanted to hear your song, you get your cassette player ready and you'd have to wait sometimes all day for them to play it on the radio. And you'd sit there and wait and then hit record and you'd be you'd be mortified and, and so upset if something messed it up. <laughs> you'd have to start all over. I'm going to have to spend all day Sunday now waiting for them to play that song on the radio, you know, so. I think they're just more meaningful. And now it's just like you can have any song anytime you want, which is great. But I think they're fleeting. You know, it's like, oh, I like that for a month and 
if I heard it again in a year, I might say, oh, yeah, I used to like that song, but it's not going to be one that I'm going to look on fondly, probably. I think that's true. That's how I feel. Yep. So, no, good answers. I, I mean, of course, I like, I mean, most of the 80s and stuff. I mean, as far as the rock stuff, I mean, I'd, I like almost all those 80s rock bands and kind of the, some of the late 70s, you know, like the high energy stuff, like, you know, ACDC or Guns N' Roses and stuff. But there are a lot of good rock bands out there, too. And that's one thing I noticed coming from South Florida to Central Florida. I'm able to hear more of the those rock bands now because they'll have concerts in Orlando or Whereas if they went down to South Florida, they'd probably stop in Fort Lauderdale. Now, they are coming back, I guess, a little bit more in Miami, but it was just, you know, definitely different music scene down there where, you know, in Miami, it's more hip hop and rap and a lot of things I just didn't listen to growing up. So, all right. So final question, mom, how are you living the dream? Well, at this time with the quarantine going on, I guess the living this particular dream, as bad as it might sound, and don't want to sound selfish in this way, but it is kind of nice to be able to stay home more and not be on the go so much. But living the dream at retirement age like this, pretty much every day is living the dream. And as long as everyone keeps their health. That's the big issue with me. Living the dream is each day that passes and no one has a health issue, whether it be my elderly parents, your mama and papa, or us here in the house, or the children or the grandchildren. Health and well-being is a good part of living the dream for me. All right, Jen, how how are you living the dream other than being on this podcast? You're going to laugh, but it's going to sound just just almost like what your mom just said. I feel like I, you know, I'm really fortunate. I'm I'm healthy. My kids are healthy. We live a good life. We don't struggle. My parents are both still alive. I have great siblings and amazing little nieces and a nephew and I have a nice house. I've been married to the same person. This will be our 13 year anniversary this year. You know, I have a good job. I love where I live. I have great friends like you. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else I could ask for. Honestly, it's a, it's a pretty good life. All right. Well, glad it's all going so well. And I appreciate you guys coming on the show. Ben, one last shout out that I want to say is that to all of the, you know, we've talked about mothers and we're pretty well centered on biological mothers, but you think of so many whether it be grandmothers or aunts or stepmothers or adoptive parents that fulfill the role of mother to so many children that a shout out to them too, if they're fulfilling the role of mother, even if they're not biological. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. That's, that's wonderful. No, that's true. Well, and you know, in some cases, sometimes it's an older sister. Well, that's right. Yeah. 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 If something happens to the mother, Along the way. So, well, I appreciate y'all coming on the show, and I hope that everyone who listens enjoyed the episode as well, maybe learned a few tips, and also just takes the time to thank their mother or mother figure in their life for all that they've done. And, you know, if you are a mother or mother figure, just try to be the best that you can be. And like Jen said, one great point that I thought you brought out, Jen, is the fact that, you know, sometimes you've got to take time for yourself, too, and so that you can be refreshed and ready to go because, if you're on the go all the time, eventually you're worn out. And I know that some of my friends who are mothers, they've said one of the benefits of this COVID thing and with all the negative that has happened from it is the fact that they have had more time to spend with their kids and families and uh, just kind of more time that they normally don't have. And they, they value that time. Yes, that's exactly how I feel. 
there's a lot of bad about it, but there has been some, there's definitely been some positive attributes too. So, and you always have to try to see something good and something bad, right? So that's the truth. That's true. That is true. But Jen's so nice to have met you through this podcast and happy Mother's Day. Thank you. It was so nice to meet you as well. Yeah. Now I see where, where Ben gets his charm. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> Well, thanks again, Mom and Jen, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, to all the listeners out there, thanks so much for listening and for your support. We hope you guys have had a wonderful Mother's Day weekend. So thank you and have a great week. Thanks for listening to this episode. Find us online at benandrodney.com and follow us on Instagram at benwilsonmiami.com.